0: Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks such as Jack Jacks delicious nom nom cookies which you can actually and will be able to buy at uh, at Disney's California Adventure of
1: course you will as
0: of this weekend if they open everything on time, as always, my name is Rick Williamson. your very best good movie buddy. And with us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Malhorn. David, we're back in the studio this week. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm a little tired. Yeah. Had to go see Incredibles at 10 p.m. at night. That's true. To be
0: prepared. But uh, doing well. Good. Yeah. I saw it a little bit late as well. Busy weekend for us, at least for me. Um but, uh, but yeah, I mean, 14 years in the making, and Incredibles 2 is finally here. And we saw it. We didn't see it together, but we did see it.
1: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: David, it's been on record. We I give you shit for it, even though it's not entirely true. But you find it difficult to get hype for the animated films nowadays. Correct. Wh- wh- is that just... Wh- now, why is that? I'm curious... I feel like there are certain, mostly, most other animated films I'm with you on. Like, I still haven't seen the Lego Batman movie. Mm -hmm. But Pixar has always been a special event for me. But what about you? It's just, it's getting little... Getting a little dim. That child is going out inside of you.
1: I mean, but I mean, I think even you didn't see Coco in theaters, did you? True,
0: I did not. I saw it on a plane, and I fucking cried. I ugly cried on a plane, <laughs> which we'll talk about later.
1: Cars three, I would have been okay not seeing, but we did it here for you the podcast did it anyway. <laughs> We're
0: back a year later.
1: Um, but no, I mean, I think for me, it's not necessarily that I think they're going to be bad or anything like that. It's just. It's hard for me to watch the trailer and be like, oh, that looks amazing, you know? So I think... And and even after this, and we'll get into it, but, I mean, I will walk away from this movie saying it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. But am I... Is it like other movies where I'm like, I need to go see that again? Like, if we're going into the hero realm, and this is probably stealing from later conversations, Sure. but... I don't walk away being like, like when I saw Avengers, like I was like, I need to see that movie again. Sure. You know, or when I saw Black Panther, I wanted to go see it again. And I did see it again, I think the next day. Three,
0: three times in five days for me.
1: Yeah. I, I saw it twice in <laughs> three days, I think. Or maybe I saw it back to back days. Regardless, I saw it. I had to see it right away again. Sure. I wanted to see it right away again. Sure. I don't have that feeling about Incredibles for whatever reason. Interesting. But I don't think I'd call it a worse movie than either of those films, even.
0: Interesting. So it's purely just the medium of animation, it seems like.
1: Possibly, yeah, and just I don't know. I mean, interesting, because I would
0: see this again in a heartbeat.
1: Well, it's not that I wouldn't see it. Like, I wouldn't be like, "Oh crap!" Like, if if the fam said, "Hey, let's all go see Incredibles," I right. wouldn't be like, "Ah, oh, crap!" Like, okay. But at the same time, like, I would go see tag for the first time or something like that okay. before i'd go back and rewatch this whereas when like and granted there's not that many good movies in february but yeah, there wasn't anything fair. i was gonna see instead of black panther when it came out
0: yeah well that's that's a very good point yeah well i'll tell you i mean right off the bat and you said it's a fantastic film i fucking loved incredibles 2 mm-hmm. hard um I was I've as I said you know Pixars always been a special event for me um they've only done they've done 20 films in 20 22 years 20 yeah 22 because the first film was 23. Because their first film was Toy Story in 95. So it's been a pretty steady rollout of Pixar films at least once a year. Sometimes you get a space in between. I think we even got one year where we got two of them in a row. But there, it's, it's, it's like a fucking holiday now for me where it's like the next Pixar film is out. And some of them, like Coco, like The Good Dinosaur, I didn't see right away. But it was always still on my radar. Incredibles, though when i found out they were making a second one i was super hyped for it and i'm i'm happy to report i don't know that to me it's as good as the first one i would agree like i an animation for me doesn't really get in the way of my enjoyment because to me i think it's a little bit more freeing of a medium. Like you can do things in animation that maybe you can't do in real life. And even now with all the CG and stuff, that's not entirely true because they're making, they made the jungle book. They're making the lion King in quote unquote live action. Even, even though 98% of that movie is technically still animated. But I, I, I mean, 14 years of waiting for this film how like how long i'm i'm just curious as like were you waiting for this film when they announced it like were you as as like oh cool another incredible's film or were you just you're just kind of blasé about it and not in a bad way i don't mean that in a bad way
1: i think i was from the standpoint of like i guess when it's it's completely original and it's been so long and it is animated like it's not like where we're at currently with a lot of movies where you're like, I wonder where they're going to go with this movie. Like next, like I feel like maybe the uncertainty of not knowing like where they're going with it, like takes away a little bit of the anticipation just because you're like, it's been so long. Like, is this going to be like a complete, like continuation to the story? Is this going to be like, like, are they all going to be aged? Are they all going to be the same? Like that kind of thing. Like, you're just kind of like i guess i'll see wait and see what it what it is it's not like there's any like theories you can run to there's not a comic book there's not a book there's not a series sure. you know like that you can go it's like 100% up to pixar like when the toy story movies came out like Obviously, you had Toy Story One. It's not like it left on a cliffhanger that you're like, "Oh, I can't wait for the second one to come out." Right?
0: They're all their own complete. When the next
1: When the next one came out, you're like, "Okay, cool. Like, we get another adventure. Like, and that was cool and exciting to know about." Um, And I think that's the same with Incredibles. It was like, "Cool, we get another story," but it's not like I'm waiting to be like, "Oh, I can't wait to see Mr. Incredible on the screen again." Like, you know, like and that's one thing that you get with live action to me versus animated. Uh Like because it's animated and you know what you're going to get it's not like you're i'm waiting to see like so and so's performance sure because there's not really a performance per se like th- there is That's in this in the fact that like you talk and you, you know obviously you can't just have anybody read the lines and it's the same people from the previous one
0: For the and most certain part, people yeah. do
1: a good job but like when you see a live action like you're Sometimes there is much for the performance of the actor, and like that performance of that actor can make that right. movie go well, or you it can make it go
0: poorly. Yeah, and you connect more with a character as a fucking human being rather than like a dog or a car. Like, um,
1: hence why Madagascar is so popular. Like, half the people in that movie can't get a job anymore, <laughs> but everybody still, kids still love the movie. Right, like, yeah. and I. St- I've got a kid now, so I watch movies like that, yep. and I've got no problem with the movie, even David though pulling a bunch of people in that DreamWorks money. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Um, well, and that's a really interesting point because you know we talk about serialized storytelling a lot on this podcast. We go into. Um, the way that sequels have naturally evolved over time. Whereas we're getting to the point now where a lot of franchises, particularly Star Wars and and uh, Marvel and uh, Spider-Man, X-Men, all the big superhero sagas, they're just that. They're sagas. There's always going to be a next one. Yeah. Um. And there's always storylines that are left hanging. Whereas with animated films, I mean, you look at every sequel that has been an animated film, Animated films really are self-contained stories, and I think that's just the nature of computer animated films. Like, these movies take four years to make. Uh, Now, granted, you know, so do uh, live-action films, but I think less time because, like, they were filming Avengers 4 six months ago, and it's going to come out in 12 months. Mm -hmm. That's 18 20 months of filming that's barely that's not even two years yeah whereas they've been developing and, and animating credibles since like 2015 yeah so it's a you would have to start on the next film while you're halfway done with this film in order to crank them out at a rate in which you can tell a serialized tale yeah um now that being said i also think that animation poses a, a different um, freedom per se in that like take for example jurassic world which uh-huh. we'll be talking about later this week uh jurassic world was a remake or, or i'm sorry a sequel slash reboot uh, a film that essentially copied a lot of the first film same with the last jedi but it took the the actors from the previous and it aged them in real time so dr Wu, okay dr Wu was at Jurassic Park 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Malcolm, Ian Malcolm's back. Um, You look at, you know, the Avengers films. You know, Tony Stark has been through 10 years of shit. You look at, and in some cases, with animated films, very, very, very rarely do these films age their characters in the same time in which these films rolled out. One of the rare examples is the How to Train Your Dragon movies, Mm -hmm. where Hiccup... Has grown in each of his movies, um, which I find interesting. Incredibles two does the exact opposite. It it take it takes advantage of that medium to tell a story that literally starts the second the first one ends. Mm-hmm. And I just I think that's interesting. I think that they chose specifically. I find that an interesting storytelling choice for Brad Bird and for Pixar to say, no, we're not going to skip ahead 14 years. Like there are still stories to tell with a family of superheroes. Absolutely. Um, and so I just, I think that that's, I think one interesting. thing,
1: I think one thing with Pixar, cause I was with you, I'm with you for the longest time. Like we'd get a Pixar movie and I'd be like, what's the next Pixar movie? Sure. Type of thing. When, and I, wanna I know feel when and, it ended for you, I feel like here. it ended when we started cranking them out a whole lot more. Like t- for a while there, it was an event and granted I was younger, but like Toy Story, we didn't, we didn't get Bugs Life till three years later. Was
0: it Toy Story three? I bet you look at it.
1: And then Toy Story two yep. came out a year later, but then it was two years before we got Monster Inc. And then mm-hmm. it was two years before Nemo, one year before Incredibles, but then two years before Cars. Cars. And it was like, and you then know, after for a while that, there w- every year, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think after I think after Toy Story 3, obviously at that point it was 2011, so at that point were, I was 25 26, 25, yeah, 26. Ish. Um you know, and you came out with Cars 2, which probably hurt some of the momentum too because yeah, I really en- I really enjoyed Cars 1, but I didn't need a movie centered around Mater. Right. Um and then Brave I mean, Brave was a great movie, but...
0: But really a couple of their lesser efforts back to back. Sure. Not to mention Monsters University, which is a perfectly fine film. But you're talking about three of their lesser efforts in a row. Yeah. Doing a sequel
1: on one that I would say of the first 11 movies was probably towards the bottom for me. Right. And that's not a knock on it. It's just it's up against very tough. I think... If they would have done A Bug's Life 2, it would have been the same situation. I love A Bug's Life. But I still would have been just like Monsters, Inc., been like, I didn't need this sequel. You well, I know? think
0: when we're talking about Pixar films, we're talking about Pixar films in a vacuum. Yeah. You know, I'm not comparing Cars 3 to fucking Hotel Transylvania 2. Exactly. Cars 3 is infinitely better than Hotel Transylvania 2 you can't, or Boss Baby yeah. or Storks. Like, you can't. You can't convince me otherwise. Sure, sure. But in the in the Pantheon of Pixar films, that's an interesting Cars 2, Brave, Monsters University. Then they did Inside Out, which was amazing. Amazing. And then they did The Good Dinosaur. So one, two, three, four, four out of their five releases are were of their lesser variety. Sure. And then Finding Dory, really great. Cars three. Eh. Yeah, Coco, great, Incredibles two, gr- phenomenal. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting. It's interesting to track and see like where did they lose you, and I think that that right after because Toy Story three was such like an emotional. Yeah. Wrap-up. Well, I think
1: especially because so many people like that obviously was everybody's first Pixar movie uh-huh. but it was it's like it's
0: almost as if you were growing up with those characters too and i think
1: a lot of because of the time frame that they did it in i think you kind of identified with it uh, or at least a lot of people probably our age because sure. the first one came out when we were 9 ish. Mm-hmm. second one came out when we were 14 ish toy stories Thir- 13 yeah yeah
0: so, I mean, 99, I was you were, 12, 13. Yeah, 13. Eighth,
1: eighth grade going into high school. Yeah. So, it's like at that point, you were probably at the tail end of like sitting down and playing with toys sure. at that point. And then Toy Story and 3. And then I Toy was Story 24. 3, it's more like the nostalgia of uh-huh. like looking back at playing with toys and what that meant and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And, and even, I mean, heck, f- for some people, that was probably a point where some of their toys they were having to part with or they had sure. parted with recently growing or that up kind of just thing.
0: growing up in general.
1: So I think, you know, obviously those were like probably people outside of like our I'd say give or take three, four, five years uh-huh. of our age, like probably don't have the same feelings towards toys this toy story trilogy sure. that we do. Sure. Um, but that's just happened to be where who who it hit and when it
0: hit us. Sure. I actually think I have to amend my review, because in my review of The Incredibles 2, I fucked up on my math, and I said that I was 24, but I wasn't. I was, like, 15 when the first Incredibles came out. No, you were 18. 18. Was I 18? Yeah. My math is terrible. 2004. So how old was I? You were I born in, in 86. In nineteen, in, in 99, I was like 12 or 13. So 2004. 13. Okay, I was 18. 18.
1: Yeah. You are 18. because I suck End it. of the year.
0: I fucking suck at math. Um, they changed math. Right? I still got it. They did change. They changed math. <laughs> like, they did change math. <laughs> I'm going to have to go look up that review and change that immediately. Um, one of the things that I found... Um, interesting. Just as I was, you know, researching this and and looking it up, is that Brad Bird, who's one of my favorite filmmakers out there, his output hasn't been, I mean, that immense. Like he's only made six films. It's been Pixar like. <laughs> it's been Pixar. Well, I mean, it's been less than that. Like yeah. he's made since 1999. He's only made six films. Um, contrary to that. Spiel, Spielberg has made eight, um, mm-hmm. and I haven't done research for uh, for other you know directors and whatnot. But Spielberg is my gold standard, and Spielberg cranked out eight of them. But Brad Bird made The Iron Giant in ninety nine, and then he did The Incredibles in two thousand and four, and then he did Ratatouille in two thousand and seven. He switched to live action and did Mission Impossible four, Ghost Protocol in two thousand eleven, did Tomorrowland, which arguably is his least successful, successful, although I enjoy that film quite a bit. Um, And then Tomorrowland was 2011 and now he's finally been working on the Incredibles two. Do you have do you consider Brad Bird to be up there in terms of storytellers and filmmakers? Or do you not like bring him into the pantheon of like a Nolan or a JJ Abrams? Like he's not on that level yet. He's
1: got to do a little bit more. I mean, obviously I think I'd be, it'd pique my interest anytime he does something because he does it so rarely. Sure. Um, Similar to like a Spielberg that I'd be interested in knowing about it. Sure. Um, But I think, I mean, obviously Iron Giant, Incredibles, Ratatouille, Incredibles 2, all big hits. I mean, I enjoyed Ghost Protocol. I wouldn't say it's like life-changing no, you know or anything no, like I wouldn't, like I, wouldn't the- I wouldn't put it on the level of those four animated films no and even Tomorrowland I wouldn't put on the level of those so like no if he's doing an animated film absolutely I, I'd put him on that level if he's doing a live action I'd be interested to see what he does with it sure from a storytelling standpoint but animated I mean he's obviously dialed in to but
0: yeah I mean I mean, the Iron Giant's an all-time top 10 film for me. So, like, that goes... It's hard for me not to put him up here. Like, I recognize that he's he's not maybe necessarily doing, like, the, the same output as Christopher Nolan, but I get as excited for a new movie for Brad Bird as I do for Christopher Nolan. Like, I, there's a level of excitement there when I hear, like, Nolan's doing a new film, Brad Bird's doing a new film, Spielberg's doing a new film. I'll be there.
1: Yeah, I think the difference for me is I will regularly scan the internet to see is there something new coming from Christopher Nolan? Sure. Whereas I don't think I do that. Okay, with that's Bird. a really good
0: way of putting it. That's a good, really good way of putting it. Speaking of the news, um, this movie's massive already. Yeah. Bigger than anybody anticipated. Most original prognostications had it opening at like 130 million and even when the weekend started they had it opening at 150 plus but you being our our, our stats and facts guy how how did it do comparatively i mean it, it was it's big
1: well it's the biggest pixar one opening by a long shot sure now by like a, 40 it's million, a, it's right? a little
0: deceiving because
1: two uh there's a couple of movies that came out in only one theater okay story two and bugs life probably wouldn't have rivaled this anyways no um
0: and we're not accounting for inflation and we're not
1: accounting for inflation Um, but it did 182 closest to that was finding dory 135 to me that screams a little bit of like we're just in a different age as far as box office goes um because you know both of those are long-awaited sequels um Incredibles two came out. We said fifteen years or four, thirteen years or whatever after fourteen, 14 years. Yeah, um, Finding Dory came out. What about eleven years or something like that? I believe. S-
0: yeah, ish. Uh,
1: thirteen years. Thirteen. There you so go. obviously you've got these long-awaited sequels, which which might play into it. But I sure. think you're also looking at a little bit of you know obviously a little bit. The box office releases are just bigger in general. I mean, you look at this year alone. Granted, you've had some very good, massively popular films. Sure, but there's a whole lot more 200 million-ish in that range box office openings than we've ever had before. That's some of that's some of that's contributed from ticket prices are more expensive now because everybody's got a recliner seat now, so they can charge you 13 bucks for your ticket. There's more IMAX showings than there ever have been before. We call things 3D so we can charge people five dollars more, <laughs> things like that. Um, oh, yeah. so but So most those...
0: animated films don't. They open some. Most animated films open somewhere between like thirty and seventy-five. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And there's only been seven that have ever gone over 100 million. Uh, Secret Life of Pets, Shrek 2, Toy Story 3, Minions, Shrek Fucking the Third, Shrek. Finding Dory, and Incredible 2. Whoever DreamWorks sold their soul to. All of those outside of Secret Life of Pets, I believe, are sequels.
0: Min- Minions is a spinoff. Because sequel sequel, 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 Yep, you're right. All of them are Even sequels. Even Inside Out, which is number eight at 90 million, is original. It was original.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think that's obviously a factor. One thing, too, I believe... I didn't check every single animated film, but I checked all the major ones. Yeah. This one also had more theaters than any opening ever before. Um, second most. Second most to Despicable Me yep. 3. So... Um, so it it more than Dory had forty three oh five, and this one had forty four ten. So about one hundred and five more theaters. So not a massive amount. Sure. Obviously, it still did forty seven million more than Dory. so it's not like it was those one hundred and five theaters that right. made the difference. right. Um, its
0: average wasn't so it's pretty crazy. That.
1: But I think there's a lot of factors into that. Like we said, the types of way that you can go see it. But I would imagine when Dory came out, 3d i can't remember if dory had a 3d release this one did yeah
0: almost every animated film has a 3d release now although it's less prevalent than it used to be because i saw it in 3d i saw incredibles in 3d yeah so i know dory did as well yeah um but it also i mean it's already opened more than two of the more recent pixar films grossed in their total run
1: cars 3 and, and good dinosaur and i think that's more of a
0: it made 182 million dollars.
1: Yeah, and I and it's almost caught Cars 2, and actually almost caught Toy Story, but I think Toy Story would be way above it if you did inflation. So if you did inflation, I yeah. don't. I don't really compare it to Toy Story 1 because 191 in '95 is a massive box office. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's like the movie that always I always compare Toy Story's opening to is Home Alone's box office, with both like smashed it for that type of genre and that
0: it's day yeah it's age. almost 500 million in in today's or wait I'm that's sorry Toy hold Story on it's it's almost 4 it's 400 million yeah. in today's money
1: so that's that's obviously it's over double if you account inflation Right. because it was back in the 90s right. so
0: but i i i am i am flabbergasted i mean am i flabbergasted yeah i am i'm flabbergasted disney Is really good at this commercial filmmaking thing. Like they have gotten really, really good at it because nine out of the ten biggest opening weekends of all time are Disney films. That's wild to me. Here's the
1: thing, though, about this one, though. I think this one was a perfect storm of a number of different things that made it. I'm
0: interested in this. Yes,
1: that made it as big as it did. Um, First off, benefit. Whatever you want to believe or not, benefit that this year's NBA Finals was a sweep, Ooh. so we didn't have NBA Finals games to compete Very interesting with. angle, yes. So, that obviously took some away. It's only sports,
0: it's, it's the, like, is really the fucking U.S. Open going to get in the way of it? I doubt it. But
1: even the U.S. Open was done pretty early on in the day sure. from a West Coast standpoint. Sure. Um, it was done by four in, or three in the afternoon, okay. so still plenty of time to see a movie. Um... I think you also had the aspect of some pretty weak, by expectation standpoint, releases the last couple weeks, which I don't think was necessarily anticipated. I don't think anybody anticipated Solo when you saw Solo coming out at this time for it to do as poorly as it has. Sure. I bet you Um, Disney
0: anticipated that Solo would still be making around $20 at this point.
1: Yeah. Ocean's 8, obviously... Did fine, did fine, but it's also, you know, a different demographic, in a large part different demographic. Absolutely. Also, we're at a huge lack for kids' films, um, which isn't normally the case yeah, at this point I wanted to look at. in the year. Um, I mean, you're talking the next, literally the highest kids' film outside of of Incredibles two. Is
0: Peter Rabbit, which was in the beginning of February,
1: but I mean, currently in the box office, I would say it's between either if you call it a kids movie, Wrinkle in Time. If you want to go even further down, Show Dogs, which made one hundred and seventy three thousand dollars, so that's the type of competition that it had. It's right for it for kids. Right for a kids. We're, movie. we're in the middle of summer vacation. The other thing is. Um, you could call this a Father's Day movie. Like, it's a family movie. But I mean, like, the theme of it, like, yeah, there's in a big, general, like, there's a it's big a big highlight it. in the dad, like, <laughs> coping with being a stay-at-home dad. Sure, sure. So, like, you know, being a a relatively freshly new father myself, like, there was definitely parts of it that, like, hit home. And, like, <laughs> it's from that standpoint where it's, like, okay, like, I could see this being very popular on a family type holiday sure. like Father's Day. So I don't think I, I do think it's a credit to Disney's genius as far as, you know, in, in planning that they went for this specific weekend. But yeah. I also think it's kind of there's been some movies that disappointed expectation wise. Mm-hmm. I think other studios kind of have dropped the ball and uh the opportunity to me. There should have been a kids' movie that came out. Memorial Day weekend yeah. that could have made a good amount of money um at this point, but this this year's pretty light in general on kids movies. Yeah, that's maybe And maybe a, that's, and maybe, that's maybe that's anticipation that Avengers just everyone just kind of got out of the way of it. Yeah, that it sweeps over, and and maybe there was an anticipation that Solo would be
0: more targeted at that market. But I think that's definitely a part of it, for sure. I think also, and I mean, we talked about it a little bit. But you can't discount the 14-year gap between then and now where we were still kids when this movie came out and give or take four years in either direction, you have an entire generation's worth of people who grew up on this, who, who remember how awesome The Incredibles was. I mean, remember, the original Incredibles, when it came out, it was unlike anything that Pixar had done. Pixar had did two, story, two Toy Story movies, A Bug's Life, Finding Nemo, and Monsters, Inc. All arguably hardcore kids' films. Like, definitely kids films. And then you can make the argument that, you know, they're enjoyable for all generations, of course. But The Incredibles was really something different. It was a full-blown superhero adventure family film that had legit action and people dying and explosions. I think it was their first PG-rated film, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, but I think it was. And you have that nostalgia where the generation that grew up on the incredibles is now old enough to have their own kids and old enough to bring them to something that is animated and it's not like introducing your kid to a jurassic park it's completely different because this is a film that can be shared with four-year-olds it's a film that can be shared with eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 24, 34, 44 year olds. Like this is a film that number one started building its fan base 14 years ago and Pixar has managed to keep that brand going and The Incredibles themselves has had a staying power that really helped, I think. Um, Not to mention the fact that in the 14 years that it took to get this film made, they made a pretty damn good movie. And that's kind of the last thing that I wanted to wrap up with, which is... Like, our final thoughts on it. Like, I thought the film, without getting into spoilers, we'll get into spoilers in just a second. But I think this film has some of the funniest stuff Pixar's ever done. I think it has some of the best action that Pixar's ever done. I think it has some of the best superhero action in general. Like, the way that they use the superpowers in this film... Granted, they get to cheat a little bit because it is an animated film mm-hmm. and they're not exactly playing by the rules of real time physics. But, like, the way that Elastigirl uses her powers in this film makes anything that the Fantastic Four has ever done look like horseshit. Sure. Like, th- there are great action sequences in this film. Um, I had an absolute blast with it. The music by Michael Giacchino is phenomenal as always. Mm-hmm. Uh I love this. I I I would I would see it again in a heartbeat. I was thinking I was listening to the score earlier today and I was like, Man, I wanna see this movie again. Yeah. Um, so I walked out of it willing to wait another ten plus years if it means getting another Incredibles. I don't wanna have to do that, but if that means we're gonna get a movie this good every ten plus years, fine, I'll take it. What about you?
1: No, I'm 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 with you. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I think it checks all the boxes. I think Um, it does have that appeal. Like I didn't feel bored in it because, you know, it was an animated film or anything like that. So like, I thought it was entertaining all the way through. It's, it's almost two hours, which to me is always a little worrisome when it comes to animated films. Um, but I thought it moved along well and it didn't seem to drag too much, um, in any areas. And like you said, it's funny. There's a couple scenes where, you know, I'd laughed out loud, um, you know, in it. And I think, you know, for me, I think it definitely deserves, um, at least for me, a perfect popcorn. So,
0: yeah, I agree. I'm giving it perfect popcorn as well. It's fantastic. Um, Definitely go and check it out. Uh, We are going to get into spoilers. So be warned if you haven't seen it yet. Number one, you're missing out. But number two, we're going to get into it. But before we do, as always, I want to remind everybody that you can get this podcast on your smartphone for free By subscribing to the Popcorn Diet, wherever you're listening to us, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there. So do us a favor and subscribe. Give us a rating. Give us four stars, five stars, whatever. I don't care. I'll take any rating at this point. Um, And then also you can find all of our reviews. You can find my review with the terrible math on our website popcorndietpodcast.com and then last but certainly not least we want you to be a part of our of our social media crew we want you to be a good movie buddy with us on social media so whether it's on Facebook on Twitter on Instagram follow us at the popcorn diet um, but getting into spoilers a little bit David we're I mean It's not like there's any big twists, you know? It's not like we we had to worry about spoilers for, like, an Avengers film where people were theorizing this whole time. I think this is just general talking about some of the favorite things about this movie um, openly uh, without having to worry about it. Um, But going back to the action scene, the the way that the action is and the way that they really show these superpowers, um, I thought the whole monorail chase with Elastigirl and the bike and the way the bike split apart and used her elastic abilities. And I I was fucking blown away. Like I thought that was one of the best action sequences maybe of the year. And granted it's animated. I understand that, but still I love that scene. I thought it was great. Like I said, you see all of the ways that they've made three fantastic four movies Mm -hmm. and fucking, the best Mr. Incredible can do is, like, wrap around somebody. And when you see what they do with Elastigirl in this movie, like the whole motorcycle thing, or the way she slingshots herself and then turns herself into, like, a glider mm-hmm. so that she can fly through buildings, and that's awesome! And I love the way Brad Bird thinks about these superpowers and applies them in different interesting ways. Um, or Violet's superpowers with the forest fields and the invisibility and stuff. I really like the way that they use those in like a fast kinetic way so that she's able to – something falling really fast, she throws up a force field and it bounces off or the electricity or whatever and she throws it on other people. Like I was just – it's creative and that's I think the biggest word that – it's a simple word but I just love how creative it is with these superpowers because like yeah J- dash runs really fast and yeah mr incredible's really strong but they throw different wrinkles at them and they throw different scenarios at them that you're not used to seeing these types of superpowers matched up with like when he has to go underneath the boat or something like that yeah. um and i just was had a blast with them were there any particularly that that stuck out for you or any any sequences where you found yourself like like peak movie going experience. Well,
1: I think as far as like superpowers, I think to be honest, I think, uh, I think Mr. Incredible's probably the most boring of, sure. of the ones. Strong guy. Uh, yeah. um, as well as, uh, oh, what's the boy's name again? Dash. Dash. I yeah. always want to call him Flash. Flash. But, well, anyways, you're not wrong. Um, Dash. I think they're probably two of the the least entertaining when it comes to like the actual fights and those types of things um dash is
0: really good for comedy
1: sure absolutely um but i love what they do with violet and i love what they do with the last girl Mm -hmm. um what's uh samuel jackson frozo frozo yeah Uh, um i like his i loved all the little unique ones they brought in um i thought there was some creative ones within there like the new supers yeah all the ones that got brainwashed and they fought against for the majority of that boat portion Mm -hmm. um i enjoyed them a lot um and some of the some of the different things that you saw from there so um i i liked it i mean like you said i think there's things that you can do that you couldn't accomplish like the amount of characters that you could have in the scene doing something with their superpowers and it not be completely overloaded. Right. Like you can accomplish that in an animated film that you couldn't do in like you think of even uh, in civil war. Right. When you have the, the fight right at the airport, like they're only able to really show like two people, maybe three <laughs> at a time doing whatever yeah. they do. Whereas in this one, there was some scenes where there was probably like six or seven going on and like your brain could still process for whatever reason with animated, your brain seems to be able to process more going on because there's not, it's not as rich of an environment because there's not like real things in the background and it's, you know, for whatever reason you're able to process it better. So that's kind of cool and something that, you know, I feel like an animated film lends to as far as favorite scenes. I mean, hands down, my favorite scene without a doubt is the is the raccoon fight with <laughs> with, Jack, with Jack, Jack Jack with Jack Jack? And I, the raccoon. I think
0: it's literally when I said some of the funniest stuff that Pixar has ever done. That fight, I
1: I would put it up there. I mean, I can't think of much that I would put higher than that as far as actual like just funny. Yeah. Like, hands down for me, I when can't, rac- I can't when think he's of tangled, anything.
0: When he's tangled up in the chair and Jack-Jack turns into the, 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 flame, the flame
1: guy yep. and just starts, like,
0: stalking him. Yeah. I was just like, this is amazing. Oh,
1: I that that scene I laughed multiple times out loud <laughs> while I watched it. But absolutely my favorite sequence of the film. Um, and I think having Jack-Jack with powers after, like, the full first movie, like, was that buildup of, like, Does he have powers and like wanting to see his first power and all that? Like that was one of the storylines of the first one with Mm Jack-Jack. And to see that revealed, obviously we saw in the commercials.
0: Yeah. And at the very end of the first film, we saw. exactly. We we heard, we saw. So I don't know if you remember this, but at the very end of the first film, we saw it. But we also got that short film, the Jack-Jack attack. Yeah. Which showed the babysitter dealing with the different manifestations of the powers and whatnot. That's right. Um, I do remember that little Easter egg. She played Mozart for Jack Jack, which seemed to stimulate his powers. And then Edna Mode plays Mozart. Yep. yep. So she that's I appreciated it. that continuity. Yep, absolutely. Um. I love I mean, Edna Mode is great because they don't overuse her. Yeah, like a a, a, like a perfect example of what maybe other films would do is they would take Edna's character and like insert her into the finale. But they don't. They give her a couple of scenes just like they did in the first film. And they like like when she sees that Jack Jack has powers, when Mr. Incredible brings Jack Jack to Edna is like, I need your help. And she's like, I'm not a babysitter. But then Jack Jack does some shit and he's just like she's just immediately excited Mm-hmm. That's was a great moment. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's a film full of great moments. Now, how did you feel about the villain? Um, I've heard a lot of people kind of describe it as being a little weak. I actually really liked it. Um, the villain in this film is known as the screenslaver, which is somebody who is able to hypnotize people through their screens. And Elastigirl catches him kind of, what, two-thirds of the way through the movie? Sure. and um, But then it turns out to not be, that guy was just another hypnotized pawn, hypnotized mm-hmm. pawn, excuse me, and it turns out that it's the sister of the guy who's trying to help the supers get back to becoming legal again.
1: And, and this is where I would say, maybe this is where it starts to explain a little bit of, like, my struggle with animated films a little bit, is just that... Like, I'm pretty sure f- five minutes into her being on the screen, I was pretty much certain that she was going to be bad in some way. Yeah. Like, her goofy brother, not so much. But she just – she was that darker character, like, sure. Well, not as excited as what her brother was about bringing superheroes and sure. all that. And so, like, it sort of seemed, to me at least, kind of obvious that, like, in some way – like, it all just seemed too, too perfect, you know, so, from that standpoint. So – and maybe it's just that, you, like I said, I think sometimes with animated films, like, you have to go with the more straightforward villain because if you're trying to appeal to, like, a younger crowd, like, sure. if you do some, like, fight club twist, like, kids aren't going <laughs> to understand it. Like, they're going to say that doesn't make sense. Well, did a
0: similar twist in Frozen as well where the the ally seemed to be the ally up until the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's a fun fact for you: the the two characters you have Winston Dever, mm-hmm. okay, who is the guy who supports it. He's called me Win, so his name's dever mm-hmm. right? Her name is Evelyn, Evelyn Dever, Evil Endeavor. Sure, like it's fucking right there, and yeah. a lot of people kind of pick that out. Everyone's like, Evelyn Dever, get get okay, she's <laughs> definitely the bad guy. Sure, um, but I actually. I was totally fine with it. I thought her motivation made a lot of sense, um, and also, I loved. Now, granted, I do not get epileptic seizures, but I loved the fight scene in Screen like locked box where everything was flashing. They actually Disney actually had theaters put out warnings.
1: I was gonna say you definitely needed a warning for that. Like, yeah,
0: because it gets you. It's like ninety seconds. Well, of,
1: and it's a super dark scene uh-huh. until that moment uh-huh i it guess like it's really just it's, it's not like you've been out in the daylight with a bright scene and then sure. suddenly it goes to that like You're you've been like crawling around a, walking around a dark place right expecting him to pop out at some point because you saw him when she unlocked the door right so you know it's coming at some point mm-hmm. but to go from dark to like that bright flashing sure. like I'm glad I'm not epileptic. It's disorienting. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's disorienting. But I think, I mean, I think that's the purpose. Is Absolutely. Disor- disorienting for her too. But there was just something about that. And maybe it is the flashes. Maybe the flashes was this diso- disorienting subconscious thing. But I really liked that scene because to me it felt really fucking intense. Like that fight to me was really intense. Mm-hmm. It's this close quarters fight. And maybe it was the flashing, maybe it was the settings of it, the fact that he uses like the electric prod to like, uh, make her stretching abilities go limp, so she had yeah. like that one limp leg. I just really dug that a lot. I remember thinking like, damn, this is intense. Yeah. Um, and I like how Brad Bird is able to do that. He's able to put slightly darker things in in these films like in the first Incredibles when Mr. Incredible thinks his whole family's dead that shit gets serious Sure. or I mean mean, even in this film like they say a couple of PG level curse words like they say oh my god a couple times or they say like we're gonna you know surprise the hell out of them and I appreciate that because that's always it's like Rango like Rango has a couple of like they say like damn in it and I like that there are like those kids films that are like made for 12 year olds not that I'm encouraging 12-year-olds to curse, but it makes them feel a little more adult. It makes them feel like they're experiencing something special. So I like that, and I appreciated that, and I think Brad Bird's really good at that. But I just dug all of the action. I really like Frozone stuff. Frozone seems super overpowered in this movie. Um, the way that he saved that one train or the way that he created the entire snowbank at the end. Yeah. I was like, man, like, that's – a lot. like, that's – i was like wow he's really that's a lot of fucking winter happening immediately there (laughs) um so yeah i dug it i absolutely dug it now here's here's a final question for you and again you you might not be as hyped as i am but i i've already answered this question but would you wait another 14 years if it meant getting a, a really really good incredibles 3
1: of course i mean i've got no problem getting another one um I mean I'd rather not find out about it until like <laughs> a year before it comes out or sure. two years before it comes out. Like I don't need them to say like in twenty thirty we're coming out with another Incredibles one. three. Yeah. Like if it comes out I will absolutely see it and and enjoy it like I did this one. But like I'm not like please Brad Bird make another Incredibles. Sure. Like I'm not gonna be tweeting him saying, Can we please get another Incredibles? Like I might. I, I just as much <laughs> I'd just as much enjoy Brad Bird Tackle something completely not on my radar, and that's what I loved about sure. Pixar is that for the longest time, and this even goes against, you know, obviously my love of Toy Story, is that for the longest time, like they were telling you these completely out of nowhere, like unique stories that you never even knew that these
0: original stories
1: you never even knew that you need to be told, right? Like, and they were unique characters too, like right. Think of Inside Out. Like, who would have thought we'd get a animated film about emotions emotions like and that it would be so successful yeah like and even even finding nemo like i can't think of another like significant fish movie even from my childhood (laughs) that
0: like the incredible mr limpet
1: Exactly, um, you know. I think I think the closest thing you have to that would be Little Mermaid because you have yeah. some characters in that that are that are fish. Shark but,
0: Tale, starring Robert De Niro, Jack Black, and and Will Smith. Does again, De Niro do a voice. I feel like movie? you're
1: further making my point. Um, but again, like Wally, who would have thought of like like the concept of Wally? Like I would have loved to have been in the pitch meeting for Wally. Like. I got to imagine some people met it with resistance. We're going to make the first like, 30
0: minutes with no dialogue whatsoever. <laughs> it's going to be a love story between two robots and a desolated earth that humans have abandoned. <laughs> right? Like, I would have loved... And Amen. That's, and that's what I miss
1: from Toy story, or from Pixar to some point. Like, sure. I don't feel like we get that as much. We get more safer films like, like Cars 3. Sure. We get remakes of ones that we've done before. Now, admittedly, get, admittedly... And Coco, Coco was them getting back to it, but I think See, right. But I think if you look before that, like Finding Dory, Dory Good Dinosaur to me kind of checks a, a a normal box. You got inside. It's a little out.
0: more generic. Yeah. Inside Out, I think really their only weak entries are the Cars franchise, which seems to be a franchise that won't fucking die. But, like, everybody thought that Toy Story 2 was a bad idea. Toy Story 2 wound up being incredible. Everybody said Toy Story 3. Like, like, Toy Story 2 was perfect. Why do we have to make a third one? Third one was fucking incredible. Now they're making a fourth one. They actually flipped those. Toy Story 4 was actually supposed to come out first, but it didn't make its deadlines. And they actually cut a year of production off of Incredibles. So Brad Bird's got more to say. Well,
1: (laughs) the funny thing to me is... This is completely off topic, but as I'm looking Perfect. at I this love list, um, before we wrap up here, what is it about telling animated films with with
0: mice or rats or whatever you want to call them? Because like- you don't have to do it with – my. here's the thing. My theory is that animated films is all, have always been done better when it's not human beings. Sure. And any animated film that involves human beings could and should be remade as live action film.
1: Do you want Incredibles live action? In films? twenty
0: years, I'm fucking there. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. Even if I mean, look. Like I feel tw- like
1: you couldn't do Incredibles as well as they did animated. No. Like I feel like a live action version of it would be worse than it. It'd like, have to be. Like something. I feel like Jungle Book could be argued that it was an improvement over the sure. animated sure film.
0: Well, the animated film was made in the sixties. F- Exactly. So, I, I mean, know. who knows where do you who society... knows wait 60
1: years or 50 <laughs> who years. Who
0: knows where society is going. I think be the at. true
1: test is going to be Lion King when Lion King comes out sure. because but Lion Pat King That doesn't
0: have any humans. Like that doesn't go. that goes against my my theory like why are we making the Lion King photo real just to push the technology? If so, like I think that's why John Favreau's doing it. I think he's doing it because he's kind of fallen into that James Cameron, Peter Jackson. I want to push the technology like Robert. Didn't he already do that with Jungle Book? He why, wants it he didn't, why does More. he need to do it
1: again? Like, More
0: push it further because it had
1: one human so character in it.
0: Fucking John! Cam- why is uh, James Cameron making seventeen Avatar sequels that are taking him? Well, he's going to be dead before make- they even come out, anyway. So. Harsh. But no, so I think that that's why. I think you can tell interesting stories with these different animals as analogies. But like, you and, had,
1: like, The Rescuers. You yep. had, uh, what was the Great Mouse Detective?
0: Great, great Mouse Detective. You did. had will
1: goes, goes West. I you don't had, think.
0: Toy Story franchise, no live action. Bugs Life, no live action. Monsters, Inc., maybe. No Finding Nemo. The Incredibles, yes.
1: Cars. Doing a Wally live no. action? Ratatouille? Didn't we get Wally live action short circuit? <laughs>
0: yeah, how dare you, number one. <laughs> they could do Wally live action. They could do Ratatouille live action. That would be an interesting live action film. Up. No, we got so many mouse films in the 90s. Up as a live action film would be great, brave. That's just, So here's the thing I never understood why we're going off on a real fucking tangent. <laughs> I get why you make animated films. You make animated films for kids. You make them to, to start introducing complex thought processes to them. Like, sure. that's why you make the, you know, R- R- wall is a story about love and conservation. You know, uh, Ratatouille is the same thing. Ratatouille is a story about love. I mean, they're all j- some various version of of love and whatnot, and we can get into the themes. What's story. Cars 2? about? <laughs> Cars 2 is... I don't know. I couldn't even tell you what Cars 3 is about. Cars 2 is just well, a... Cars
1: 3, I think you have like the handing off of the next generation and sure. like that kind of thing. Cars but... 2
0: exists purely as a gateway film to spy films. <laughs> like that's what like Rango. Like I believe Rango exists as a gateway film to westerns. Like you show your 5-year-old will <laughs> goes West. You sh- then when they're 10, you show them Rango, and then when they're fifteen, you show them Tombstone, and Cars, Western is complete.
1: Cars too exists to sell toys.
0: Which well, <laughs> yes. Would you show your fifteen year old kid? Would you let your fifteen year old kid watch Tombstone? Fifteen? Yeah.
1: Yeah, fifteen. Yeah, P- for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a little
0: R rated, but there's nothing crazy in it. You kidding me? Compared to the other R rated <laughs> movies,
1: like that's like
0: a PG movie compared to most So see, that's what I'm talking R-rated about. Movies. Like a lot of these films are gateway films to other things, potentially. Um, I, and I don't know if that's why the filmmakers make them that way or, or something like that, but I am I genuinely, I stand firmly by it. I believe that any...
1: Is Finding Dory gateway to Jaws?
0: No. Finding <laughs> Dory actually does have a purpose. Or Finding Nemo, Find, a gateway to... To Jaws. Jaws? Yeah. No, f- uh, both of those films actually have a purpose, you know, the relationship between Are children gonna be and Are they going to be upset that
1: Bruce is eating people? <laughs>
0: I would watch that sequel <laughs> like, of the an R rated animated finding called Finding Bruce and he's just like eating people up and down the coast. I would one thousand percent watch that. Are you kidding me? Isn't that what the isn't that what the Meg is? <laughs> if I stay, stay tuned stay for
1: there? the Meg review. Yeah, later it's gonna this be year. great.
0: But yes, I I will be there for any. I'm not somebody who shits on remakes. I understand that some don't need to exist. But I'll be there to check it out, regardless. Let's be honest.
1: What movies really have to exist? Have you ever walked of out any. of a movie and been like, "That movie had to be have been made." I don't like, know.
0: I mean, it depends. Like when you see stories being told that that have never been told before, like Schindler's List had to be made. It's not the first Holocaust movie ever to be made, and it certainly isn't the last Holocaust movie to be. Made. This is taking a fucking turn. <laughs>
1: Maybe we should wrap before we, we get over it now. Because
0: we have effectively brought in Schindler's List and Tombstone and Jaws into our Incredibles 2 podcast. I'll take credit for Jaws. I'll take credit for the other two. um <laughs> Okay, so we loved Incredibles 2. We'll be there for Incredibles 3, Uh, but that's going to do it uh, for us this week. Uh, Check us later this week. We're going to be doing – we're getting hyped for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So as I mentioned before, like, rate, and subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Go to popcorndietpodcast.com for all of our articles all of our web uh, episodes are there as well and then follow us on Facebook on Twitter on Instagram at the popcorn diet I'm always retweeting movie news and and cool stuff that you might not have heard about but if you want to learn and, and know and kind of be in the know about all the upcoming movie stuff like I might not be cultivating it but I'll be sure to retweet it every new preview I throw up there, It's very cool, so check it out. But other than that, for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you later this week for our hype episode on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom on the popcorn diet. Adios.